Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good. I love that. Uh, I, uh, if you did turn, turn there, great. If you haven't yet, turn to Matthew 28. Matthew 28. Now, um, as Christians, we, uh, we believe some pretty weird things, do we not? Yeah. If you've been a Christian for, for a while, it might kind of become a white noise after a while, but we, we believe some very bizarre things. If you've read the Bible at all, it doesn't take long to, to see there are some kind of weird, kind of crazy claims that the Bible makes. In fact, when I talk to folks who are kind of in this mode of being, I'm, I'm curious or I'm skeptical, I, I don't know if I follow Jesus, I don't, I don't really know if I believe this stuff yet, and they have very real, valid questions about things, which on a side note, if you find yourself in the room and you think, that's me, I, I, I don't know if I would consider myself to be a follower of Christ yet, um, but I have a lot of questions about it, and this is, I'm so glad that you're here. This is a very safe place to ask questions, because there are some very legit questions that we should be asking. And, and usually when I talk to folks who kind of are, are, search, are, are searching and curious, it all comes back to these crazy claims that the Bible says, right? People say, well, I mean, like, can you really believe this stuff? Like, like do you really believe the Bible when there's this passage where, there, where like a donkey starts talking? Like, do you, do you really believe that? Or like there are these moments where like the laws of science are defied, where like bodies of water like Part and like wall up on one side and people walk across dry land and people are walking on water and calming storms. I mean, there, there's some bizarre stuff. Like, do you actually believe this stuff? And what I tell them every time is I say, hey, well, those are great questions. And I think those are questions that have valid answers. But I want to actually start by talking about pro- probably the craziest claim of all. And that's the resurrection of Jesus. Because general rule of thumb, when people die, they don't stop being dead, right? Yeah. right? Like when people die, they don't, they don't just come back to life. That's not a common occurrence in our world. Yet our whole faith hinges on one of the most bonkers claims the world has ever made, and that's that Jesus died and then he stopped being dead and that he is currently alive right now, right? And so I always take them to the resurrection first because I say um, Paul in 1 Corinthians tells us that if Jesus did not come back to life, we are to be pitied above all. If Jesus did not come back to life, if he did not resurrect, we are wasting our time because we could be at brunch right now, right? (laughs) And so we need to figure out, is this thing real? Because if that didn't happen, then yeah, everything else is a load of trash. But if he did resurrect, if he did come back to life, if Jesus actually is alive right now, and this crazy claim is true, whew, that changes a lot of things. Call me crazy, but I can believe in talking donkeys once I know that a dead guy came back to life, right? All those things are things that we can talk about. And so um, we are approaching Easter. That's next week. And, and next week, Graham is going to walk us through the implications of the resurrection and talk through, like, what does the resurrection actually mean for our lives? But today, I want to talk about how do we know that this thing is true? How do we know that Jesus actually rose from the grave? Because we as believers just kind of throw around, hey, he is risen indeed. Like, that's not crazy. Can we just not? That's crazy. Yet, all of our faith, our entire belief hinges on this idea that Jesus resurrected, that he is alive. And the craziest part is that there is staggering evidence to prove 
that we are not crazy, that Jesus actually is alive. And so what I want to do today is just walk us through, how do we know? How do we know that Jesus is alive? Does that sound all right? Okay. The first reason we know that Jesus is alive is because the Bible says so, right? Um, All four gospel accounts declare this, but I want to just just read again this, this first part of Matthew 28. It says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I know what you seek, or for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. But he is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Now come see the place where he lay. The, The number one reason we believe that Jesus rose is because All four gospel accounts tell us so. All four gospel accounts said that Jesus, on the third day, rose from the grave. Now, the natural next question is, well, well, of course the Bible's going to say that, right? Of course the Bible's going to say that Jesus rose from the the grave. Like, what if I don't believe that? Or what, 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 what sort of extra biblical evidence do we have to support this? Great question. Um, some, something that most folks don't know is that every credible historian, Christian or non, believes three things. First, that Jesus was a real person. Second, that he was killed uh, around AD 30 to AD 33 by the Romans. And that three, on the third day, his tomb was empty. Every credible historian, Christian or non, believes that he was real, he was killed, and three days later, that tomb was empty. That's not up for debate. So the question that every single person on the planet has to have an answer to is what happened to the body. Every single person on the planet has to have an answer to the question of what happened to the body of Jesus. Because even non-believers believe that the tomb was wide stinking open on day three. Amen. Right? Come on. (laughs) And so the question is, what happened? Well, again, we believe what Scripture says, that, that Jesus rose from the grave. But people have to come up with theories or ideas around why the tomb was empty. So there's three primary theories, and I want to walk us through them. The first is this. It's called the swoon theory. Now, the swoon theory is uh, admittedly the least believed theory because it's a bit of a stretch. Uh, The swoon theory is the idea that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. He fainted, and he was revived by the coolness of the tomb, rolled away the stone, and went and declared himself the risen king of the universe. Now, the problem with that is, one, the Romans uh, were excellent at killing people, right? Um, they, they would not have taken him down off the cross unless they knew for a fact that he was dead, right? Like, that's what they did. Um, but two, even if he did faint, last week we talked about how brutal and barbaric crucifixion is, right? So even if he had fainted, no one who has, who has endured the scourging and hanging on the cross for as long as he did, they're not going to have the strength to roll away a stone, fight off two Roman guards, and then victoriously convince his followers that he is now risen when it looks like he just got his butt kicked. Right? Like, that's not happening. So, swoon theory, that's what that is. The second theory is called the wrong tomb theory. This one's hilarious. Because the wrong tomb theory says that silly women, they just went to the wrong tomb. Directions, you know, right? Like, they, like, 
they, they believe that, that the women just went to the wrong tomb. And uh, that's that. Um, obviously, women are fantastic with directions. Uh, so that's false. Two, uh, right? Yeah, come on. Uh, two, uh, anyone who, oh, especially Joseph, who owned the tomb, could have easily said, oh, nope, it's that one right there. Yep. Um, so pretty uh, defeatable. Also, on a side note, one of the best evidences for the resurrection is that women were the ones who were the first eyewitnesses to the empty tomb. Now, here's why that is significant. Um, during this time, women uh, were second-class citizens. And primarily, why this is important is because a woman's testimony was not valid in court. So if there was a, a, a murder, right, and the only person you saw was a woman. That person's walking off scot-free because they wouldn't allow a woman to testify because her testimony was not valid. So if you were going to make up a religion, if you were going to make up a movement that hinges on the idea of someone resurrecting, and you want to convince the world during this period of time, you're not going to base it on the testimony of a woman unless that's how it actually happened. It would not have been strategic. You would not have gotten traction to, to convince the world that this happened. Yet the Bible is clear that women were the first to see the resurrected Jesus. One, that's Jesus elevating the status of women. But two, it is also declaring to the world that this is how it actually happened. They're not making this stuff up because that's not how you would do it. Right? So that's the second theory. The third theory is called the stolen body theory. The stolen body theory uh, is exactly the, the story that had been spread since day, day one as we read about in the book of Ma Matthew. And the stolen body theory is the idea that the disciples came by night, stole the body of Christ, and told everyone that he resurrected. Now, th now this is the most believed theory, but there's a problem. Every single disciple died a horrendous death for their belief in the resurrection. And you do not die these types of deaths for a lie, especially these guys. All throughout the gospel accounts, these guys are portrayed as cowardly and dysfunctional. A few weeks before, a middle school girl around a campfire asked Peter if he knew Jesus and he crumpled like a lawn chair. There's another story of a guy who is trying to escape the guards the night that Jesus is uh, arrested, and he like, runs out of his clothes and runs naked down the street to get away, right? Like these people, I'm like, like, they're not courageous. They're not bold. Yet in a moment, we see these men change. And they become bold people who declare that Jesus has risen to the point of death. When all they had to do is say, I'm just kidding. He's over there. It's a joke. Sorry. I'm done. But they all died crazy deaths. And in fact, the, let me just read to you how their lives ended. Andrew was crucified. Philip, crucified. Jude, crucified. Simon the Zealot, crucified. Peter was crucified, but upside down. James, the brother of John, was beheaded. Thomas was speared by Roman soldiers. Matthew was stabbed in the back. Uh, historians disagree about Bartholomew, but they agree that he was either crucified or skinned alive and then beheaded. James, the brother of Jesus, which on a side note, um, 
Jesus' own brother believed that he was God, believed that he rose from the dead. Do you have any idea how hard it is to convince a sibling that you are God in the flesh? Yeah. <laughs> right? I've tried for years. It just doesn't work. But Jesus believed, or James believed that his brother was God. And at 94 years old, James was beaten and then stoned before they hit him in the head with a club. These men boldly went to their death because they saw the resurrected Jesus. And there was nothing you could do, nothing you could do to make them recant. And this is the best theory the world has to offer. The tomb was empty. That's, that's not up for debate. So we got the swoon theory. We've got the wrong tomb theory. We've got the stolen body theory. Or we have the truth. Which is that Jesus, <laughs> as crazy as it sounds, rose from the grave. Now, what do we do with that? What do you do with the fact that that Jesus rose from the grave, that, that all of this evidence sort of points in this direction. Um, one, you're not crazy. You're not crazy. We believe some pretty wild stuff. I think at, from time to time, we should acknowledge the fact that we believe some wild stuff, and maybe you're in the room, and you have some serious doubts. And those are valid doubts, because again, dead people don't come back to life. It's not a thing that typically happens. But there is evidence surrounding this historical moment in time that something out of the ordinary happened, that a true miracle happened, and you are not crazy for believing it. I'll give you an example. Uh, there is a, an old Harvard Law School professor named Simon Greenleaf, and he wrote the book on evidence. In fact, for, for about 100 years, his book was the book on evidence if you're studying how to become an attorney. But he was also uh, an outspoken atheist. And apparently one day, uh, a few students of his went to him and said, hey, you know, we, we think you are brilliant. Your mind is impeccable. Um, but we also believe that Jesus rose from the grave. Um, could, could we challenge you with something? He said, sure. He said, can you use your book on evidence to prove that Jesus did not rise from the dead? And he says, absolutely, I would love to. And he became a believer. <laughs> In fact, he became one of the world's greatest apologists declaring the resurrection of Christ because he looked at the evidence, the evidence that we just walked through. And he says, if I was in a court of law, I could not prove that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If anything, the evidence is in favor of the resurrection, as bizarre as that may sound. Right? So there is logic, there is reason, there is history behind this crazy claim that we hang our entire faith on. And so the first thing we need to know is that, one, you are not crazy. But two... Jesus is alive. Woo. Amen, right? This is true. It means that Jesus is alive right now. Like, like he, is, he is alive. Which means that every single thing that he has ever said is true. That everything that we read about him in the word is true. Which means that right now he is seated at the right hand of God interceding for you. He is at the right hand of God advocating for you. Meaning that when, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin or your shame 
or the things that, that haunt you or whatever happened to you freshman year of college. Like, what God, when he sees you, he has Jesus advocating say, I bought him. I bought her. I paid for that. They have been washed clean. They are sons and daughters because of what I have done. It also means that there is coming a day when Christ is going to return. And he's going to make all things new, and he's going to redeem and restore all that has been plagued and broken by sin and all the pain and heartache and abuse and trauma and just garbage that we experience as part of a fallen world. It's all going to disappear because Christ is going to restore it. Because that's what happened when he rose from the grave. He made a promise that that's what's going to happen. And so Jesus is most definitely alive. And so when we look at this, I, I, I want to spend a moment just letting this sink in because I, I've spent a lot of my time as a believer. I've been a believer for a long time. And Jesus rose from the grave. We sing it. We, we pray it. We thank him for it. We, we do all these things. We make cute arts and crafts as kids about the resurrection and rolling away the stone and all this other stuff. And, and to be completely honest, for a long time, I, I don't know if I really believed it. I'm not supposed to, but it's wild, it's, it's bizarre, it's weird, it doesn't happen. So I'm going to challenge you that, that maybe you're in a moment of doubt and you're questioning some things. The fact that Jesus is alive, it should change every single thing about us. It should make the words on the page just pop. Because we know that it's true. And that if this is true, then we, then we can talk about all the other things. And so as we go into this season of Easter where we celebrate the resurrection, my prayer for us as a body of believers is that we don't just do another fun pastel Easter where we declare that he is risen indeed, but that when we declare that he is risen indeed, there is passion and fervor because we know that our God is alive. Because he is, our God is alive. And my hope is that that stirs our hearts as we celebrate and as we dwell on the fact that we serve a God who has resurrected. Let me, let me pray.